You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. How are you guys? I hope you had a, a glorious weekend. It's Tuesday. It's another episode of Inside of You. Uh, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart because without you, this, these two years went by pretty fast. We've had 75 guests and um, I, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, it's like therapy for me every week. I hope it's therapy for you and it's therapy for the guests a lot of times. And uh, I really appreciate the support. Tell your friends to subscribe. Your family members grab their phone. You know how to do it. And and please listen to the new podcast with uh, Chris Sullivan and I. You know, This Is Us. He was just nominated for an Emmy. He's a fantastic guy. The, the, the new show is called In Love with Michael Rosenbaum and Chris Sullivan. But today we got a great show. I wasn't, you know, expecting this actress, Julie Benz. We're going to get inside of it in a minute. She listens to inside of you. She's a big fan. She would direct message me like, oh, my God, the, the Ralph Macchio, the Jennifer Love Hewitt. And we talk about that. She was really excited. She said she was nervous to be on the show, which I, I found to be amazing. And uh, I, I just love, I love when you guys listen, but it's also nice when my peers appreciate it and it makes me feel like I'm doing something right and I want to keep doing this. So spread the word, write a review, do it for both podcasts if you want. I'd love that. And um, Julie Benz talks about being divergenized. She's so open about her age, about getting um, let go from Dexter after four seasons and she had to go into the boss's room so he could tell, you know, they could tell her that, Hey, we're killing you off. And she went, she got really emotional and she just gets really personal. And um, I'm just going to give you this code word, Jeff Hagen. All right, let's get inside of Julie Benz. It's my point of view. You're listening to inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Annie McDowell, did you see that? I did. It's crazy. <laughs> She's so fantastic. Oh, I love her. I sat across from her at a Hallmark Channel event once, and I was wearing this very revealing dress. And she looked across the table, and she's like, honey, with breasts like that, I'd wear that dress every day. <laughs> Annie like, McDowell said, said that, that to that, you. Yes. So you have great breasts. I guess. She I'm not saying I that. I'm not saying. I'm saying that you must have great breasts. If she said that, she said it. Like women don't look at other women's breasts and say something. No. Like that, unless no. they really mean it. It was a. It was an amazing dress. I can tell you're proud too. I, I was because that's Andy McDowell. I mean. Did you go home and tell your husband? I did. Sweetheart, Andy McDowell, Groundhog's Day, uh, weddings and a funeral. How many were there? Four weddings and a funeral. Four weddings. Uh, she told me my breasts were dynamite. Yeah. They were perfect. She told me I should wear this dress every day. What do you think? Why do you think of marriage, sweetheart? <laughs> he doesn't talk like I'm that. Like Wilford Brimley. Yeah, buy yourself a bottle of Quaker Oats. Your diabetes. He's not that old. He's dead, isn't he? Is Wilford Brimley dead? Oh, I thought my husband. Oh, no. Oh, my, <laughs> my God. My husband's not that old. Jeez. And he's not dead. <laughs> all right. First of all, Julie Benz, you look right now. I didn't <laughs> want to say this when we're off camera. You look great. And I'm not hitting on you. We're friends. Yeah. I will say that you right, right now remind me of Meg Ryan in The Doors with the glasses. You have like a little bit of a hippie feel. I like that. And I'm digging it. It's just like, I love you, Jim Morrison. I like that. I'll go with that. I'm digging it. Yeah. I'm digging yeah, it too. I like the glasses. I oh, like the, you. you just look very, and what's surprising me, and now I don't want my audience to think, what a dick, Rosenbaum. You just go out and say <laughs> shit, but you know me by now. I know. Um, immediately, we talked about your age. What, what, you know, I was showing you around the place, and you kept talking about, oh, you know, well, my age. I'm like, your age? How old? You're not, you're, you're not old. And you're like, 47. <laughs> and I swear to God, I, I honestly shit myself. I could not, I looked at you and I, 
I thought maybe she's going to say 37. Oh, 30 thank you. Tops. Thank you. Just because you said your age. Thank you. But you look, your skin. I wish we had a sponsor that specializes and <laughs> talks about skin because your skin, why is your skin so good? Uh, some of it's genetics. Um, my mom always looked really young. And then some of it is, you know, I, I maintain. And I always cover my face in the sun. Always. See, when I was a kid, when we were kids, because we're the same age, our parents never... Mm-mm. Ever said, make sure you put some SPF on. Yeah, no. No, that didn't happen. No. So we went out, our faces got burnt. Yep. And we got tan really fast. <laughs> yep. And we didn't get, we had sunburn and we didn't give a shit. And we did it for years. years. And all of a sudden you hit fucking 35. And you're like, why do I got a liver spot at 35? <laughs> what is that shit? Yeah, you got sun damage, boy. Yeah. And now they have laser treatments. So you can get rid of all of it. Yeah. My friend Carrie O'Donnell, one of my best friends, she works over at Rifkin, a uh, dermatologist oh, okay. yeah, in, yeah. in Beverly Hills. He does all the fancy people. And uh, uh, she, she does a little laser treatment. She zapped a couple of my things. I, I got to go back. Yeah. I, um, I, I developed melasma. In my 30s, which is like... Is a, that near Malaysia? It's near Malaysia. <laughs> what, what happens there? You get... It's... um, They sometimes refer to it as pregnancy mask, but you don't have to be pregnant to have it. Um, it's from birth control, too, and being in the sun. And it causes, like... A, like, I had a dark patch on my forehead that people would always come up to me ah. and like be like, oh, you have dirt on your head. And I was like, no, don't touch it. <laughs> um, so I, I had to go and get that lasered. I think my assistant actually talks about that. She has something that she doesn't like. I don't notice it, but she's like, I have this like red. Maybe that's malaysia. Melasma. Melasma. <laughs> I think it might be. I called mine Russia because I looked like Gorbachev. <laughs> Gorbachev with the thing. But you know, here's the thing. People are thinking, Rosamund, why are you getting laser treatment? Like, here's the thing. When you're in... It's just good for your skin to get these dead skin cells off of you. First off, that's first and foremost, your, your dermatologist is going to say, let's zap that off. Yeah. Because it can become skin cancer, right? Yeah. Well, melasma can't. It can't? No. But what laser treatments do, it can also promote collagen. So it just can help you maintain a youthful appearance. Yeah. Because are you wearing makeup today? I do have makeup on, yeah. It's just a light coat, isn't it? Yeah. Because it really, I, I'm, I'm surprised by the suppleness. The softness and the glow of your skin. Did you just get a facial? No, I don't. I don't really get facials. I do laser treatments. <laughs> How many laser treatments a year? Um, well, now probably only like four. That's not very much. No, that? but back when I was trying to get rid of my melasma, I was going like every six, eight, six to eight weeks, mm. and it took a while. It's like for two years. But what I notice is also, and I'm not judging you, but since we're talking about mm-hmm. this, you don't look like you, you, you're Botoxed out. Your lips don't look like briefcase handles. I know. You, you look, you <laughs> look natural. You. Will, you, will you. you stay like this? Yes. Look, women shouldn't care what guys think, and but women should care what women think or what the, what they think themselves. If you look at it, guys or girls, it's like the lips are too much. Too much. They, somebody said they women or men they start looking like the same person when they do the lips and the tightening of the skin and it stretches and everybody starts looking the same yeah there's 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 this facial structure that's in right now where it's kind of like this very rounded look um that women are doing with fillers and botox and i just i don't like that i like the i like i like aging you know, I mean, I want to work as an actor, so therefore I have to look like a real person and not That's like true. a celebrity. I mean, look at Meg Ryan, right? I mean, she was like a dream. And like, not to say that everybody, we all get older. Like, I don't look like I did. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that. But, you know, she did the lips thing. And it just was like, whoa, what, what happened? Yeah. And is that fixed now? I don't know. I don't know. Can I you mean, fix that or does it die down? It depends on what was done. Um, there yeah. was like back in, I would say like 
10, 15 years ago, I remember I met some woman who was telling me I need to go see this doctor who was doing like little drops of silicone in the lips. And that was so illegal to do. And she was like, you need to go see him. He's amazing. I, of course, did not go see him. Um, but that cannot be removed. The silicone stuff can't be so removed. So once you do the silicone, that's it. Yeah. And that th- I think that's what um, Priscilla Presley did. So her, so her lips are just are what they are. Yeah. That's it. You can kind of grab them with your hand. I think so. Right. You could just put your they fingers. They can. They in can them. maybe cut it out. I don't. I don't really. I don't really know. <laughs> I just I, know I, that. I think like for me, I um, I love you know being an actor so much and and you don't want to compromise your different types of right. women that um that and there's so many like non-invasive treatments that you can do for your skin like laser treatments and microneedling and all of that mm. that um that's enough for me yeah it's just tough for me because i'm still dating and i don't even know i mean look i'm improving i'm i'm working on myself <laughs> like you wouldn't believe the changes i'm making I, I i talk about this but i meditate and i'm i'm uh i'm hiking and i'm playing tennis i think it's the vi- the uh the uh, add medication i'm taking now mm-hmm. that i can focus and i have a little more energy I really want to be in a relationship. I swear to God, I, there's nothing more I want want to do than to wake up with someone and be able to do something and just try and just trust someone. And right. so dating's a a bitch. Oh, I can't do it. Like I'm free two weeks from now. Or you go on the dating site and you go, "Hey, how's it going?" Three weeks later, nice talking to you. <laughs> Why are you on here? Uh, you know, or they'll reach out and they'll go, "Hey, I liked your picture of your dog." And I'm like, "Hey, cool. What do you? Uh, where where are you? Where do you live?" And I'm like. Nothing. Hello? Hello? <laughs> what are you doing? I think some people just want the attention or the, oh, he liked me. He's he's engaging. Now yeah. that's all I need. Fuck off, dude. And I'm sure I have done it before where it's like, you know, oh, she's pretty. She's She seems cool. She's a laid back girl, woman. And then you look, you hit the Instagrams and all of a sudden, oh, she's a partier. Oh, why is she on a jet? Why is she on a private jet? There's eight pictures here. Now I'm like, uh, and you start to get things going on in your head. Like, hmm, I don't know if this is for me. I kind of want a girl that's like, you know, the Olive Garden or, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just want, so I, I, it's hard for me to date, but you see the, the sometimes the pictures and you see the lips and yeah. you see the, and I'm sure the guys do too. My advice is this, just show pictures that look like yourself, wouldn't you say? I agree. I agree. And if you're prettier than your pictures, great. That's amazing. <laughs> then they like you and they go, oh my God, she's at, or he's he's cuter than, I almost look like shit in my pictures. Where if they happen to say yes, <laughs> and then they go out with me, they're like, like slam wow. dunk. <laughs> I thought this guy was a four. Look at him. He's kicking a six right now in his personality. <laughs> I don't know where I got lost in that. But anyway, you don't yeah. have to deal with that because you're married. Yeah, and I've never done any of the online dating stuff. I mean, I, I got divorced in my mid-30s, and I wanted to start dating, and I didn't know how because I had been with my first husband since I was like 22. Yeah, you were together from like, what, 95 or something? Nine, Yeah, something like that. I, mean, I was I, in college. I just yeah. graduated college yeah. in 95. Me too. I met him when I moved out here to L.A., and... We met in acting class and started dating and then got married and we were together for a very long time and then got divorced. And at 35, found myself like in back in the dating world and didn't even know like how to do it. Is that and, terrifying as a 35-year-old divorcee? Yeah, totally. You know, part of it too was I had to accept that I might be walking away from my fertility at that age. Because when you get divorced in your mid-30s as a woman, there's that possibility where you might not 
end up having kids. Right. Um, and so I had to go to lots of therapy about that. <laughs> but then, um, and did you hate when people were always, do you want to have kids? Do you still want to have kids? Is yeah. that something women hate that? Yeah. Like don't ask a woman, do you want to have children? Yeah. It's, um, why not? Why don't, why, why don't you ask that question? It's, well, it's personal. It's personal. And you don't always know what the other person's going through. Now, right. I ended up struggling with infertility for years and, you know, went through numerous rounds of IVF with my current husband and found out we weren't able to have children. What's IVF? Um, in vitro. Oh, yeah. That's what it's, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I knew that. I just didn't. Yeah. And, you know, found out we weren't able to have kids and still people, because I do look younger, you know, we'd go out to dinner parties and people would be like, well, when are you going to have kids? And I'd be like, and I literally just got to the point where I'd be like, I can't, I can't have children. And my husband would be like, do you have to be so direct? And I'm like, well, I just want the conversation to end. It's sort of like when people are saying, what are you up to these days? Yeah. Like, how about nothing? <laughs> nothing. I used to always say, well, I got this movie coming out that you won't see because it's an indie. <laughs> it's real indie. <laughs> and then I got this other thing that I auditioned for. We're waiting for the answer for that one. And um, I've got – and so you'd always name these things because you made yourself feel b better than you felt. Right. And so now I'm just like, I'm yeah. doing a podcast, man. Yeah. I love it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. What movies are you doing? Nothing, nothing right now. Yeah. I, had, I had two lines in this one thing, that Marvel movie I was in. Yeah. I'll give it, you know, this is it. This is me. Because it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you start to think about stuff and you're like, uh, what, what's really important? And by the way, you go anywhere outside of Los Angeles and no one even really asks you that. Like all they want, you know what I mean? Like they just care about the work you've done, you know? That's sort of true. They're not really it? going like, well, what are you doing now? Or why aren't you working or what's going on? Like they're just kind of like, wow, you did this and you did that. And that's Isn't so that, exciting. And by the way, that's <laughs> what you should feel as yeah. a, as, as an actor, as a artist, as whatever, a doctor, I don't care what you do. You are always thinking about being relevant, being right. the next to whatever. There's such a small percentage of people that are have that Leonardo DiCaprio fame and all that stuff. But if you go, who's that? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but if you just say, "Hey, what did you do?" Well, I've done a shit ton of TV shows. Yeah. I've done Dexter. When is it enough? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. I, like I, you know, people say, "Oh, you were on Smallville." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I was." And if that was it, you weren't. Yeah. You know, not very many people get the opportunity to be on a series for seven. Was it seven years? Eight years? So I was on it for seven years. Seven years. Yeah. But I'm proud. I've never had that opportunity to be on a show for seven years. Well, you were years. on Dexter for just a year, but you can't. No, I did. I did four years. Four years. Wait four a minute. Years. Yeah. Four years? I did four years. Can you die in a bathtub? I did. Which is why I remove all the bathtubs out of every home I live in. <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't have bathtubs? No. You don't no. have one bathtub? No, I have a sh two showers. Why? Because really, because of Dexter? Kind of. Why? <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. I don't like bathtubs. I like jacuzzis. I have a jacuzzi outside. But you're not a bather. Not a. Mm -mm. Isn't that a funny word? A are, you, are you a bather? A bather? <laughs> Maybe that should be the question you ask on your dates. Are you a bather? Are you a bather or a showerer? <laughs> I like you know I like jacuzzis too. Yeah. I do. I like I like to shower. My thing is I like to go for a quick swim. I'm talking five minute swim. Yes. Jacuzzi five, ten minutes, shower. I feel good. Yeah. I have a pool and I don't know how to swim. But I look good standing wait, wait. in the pool reading a book. <laughs> That's what I do. You don't know how to swim. No. You're forty seven years old and you can't swim. If I dumped you in the ocean, I would you'd die. No, I'm scrappy. I can doggy paddle. I just can't go under the water. I get very claustrophobic. And I've I've gone to numerous swim classes. I've had teachers. I just can't figure out how to breathe underwater. 
Really? <laughs> Which you well, can't. Well, first of all, you can't <laughs> breathe underwater. So I panic. We were gonna. I was gonna film it one time for Instagram. My husband trying to teach me to swim, and um, and he's like, "No, it's so embarrassing." <laughs> it's like, really embarrassing. Yeah, you're he's like, like, "I can't." I can't. <laughs> you feel like you're just like something's wrong with. I her. feel like I'm dying. Yeah, like literally dying. As soon as my head goes under, I'm like, <laughs> "Oh god!" And I come up, and I'm like, "I can't breathe." And he's like, "Could you just just come up?" A little more calm. Don't act like it's the end of the world. Is he calming? He's very calming. He's the calm. So he, are you guys, uh, the opposites, are you kind of like, do you get sort of emotional and, and he has to sort of like, it's okay, Julie. It's all right. Yes, definitely. I mean, it used to be, I think we used to be really different in the beginning, um, whereas I was way more emotional and he was way calm. And now we're kind of like meeting in the middle right. where, well, I think maybe I, I changed a lot and realized that like. You can't let your emotions run your day. <laughs> Look, we're all growing, but do you think there were stages in your life where you're like, oh, I just want to get approval. I just want self-esteem. I just want, I want my peers to love me. I want everybody to love me. Why can't they just love me? Why can't I be, did you ever get overwhelmed like that where you're like, you lose sight of things and there's a moment in your life where you just kind of, what the fuck are you doing? None of this is important. Did you ever go through any of that? Um, Maybe. I mean... I think for me, I um, always, always, always just worked as an actor. And I was a young, I was an ice skater growing up as I well. I saw so that, yeah. I was always performing and getting praise for performance. So then when you do hit a lull and you're not working, that's like the hardest thing. And like and when you're not equipped for that. So um, learning how to go like, wait a second, that doesn't define me. What defines me is my relationships to other people, how I, you know, take care of my home, how I take care of my husband and my friends and my family and my loved ones. That's what's important. Yeah. But when do you figure that stuff out? Like, when do you like you, you, you talk about how important it is to be a good uh, a wife and a good mm -hmm. friend and a good daughter or whatever? It, it just it just seems like you have to go. Maybe you never maybe you got so much love and, uh, you know your parents were there for you and proud of you. And maybe you, you weren't affected by that. Cause when you said the ice skating thing, when you sort of hit, you hit a lull, if you have self-worth and you know, you're like, Hey, I'm good. And my parents love me and they're proud. And for me, I felt like I have to be perfect at everything, even though that's impossible in my mind, I have to work myself to death. You know, I, it was just never enough. Yeah, I mean, I had a weird family dynamic in that growing up, my brother and sister were junior national ice dance champions. And, oh, my God. And I was the youngest. So I was always like the tag-along kid at the rink. And even though I skated and had my own accomplishments in the ice skating world, I could, I never was the champions that they were. And I was always reminded of that <laughs> by my brother and sister. They always told me, you know, we're champions, you're not. Well, what about your parents? Um our life revolved around my brother and sister's career as ice skaters. So I just always had to just do whatever they were doing. Um, but what was ironically, I got injured at 13 and then that's when I started acting and it was great because all of a sudden I had my own lane. And so there was no longer this comparison. And so then I was able to find my own footing and my own individualism and my, just my own way you had to differentiate yourself from the rest of the family. Yes. It wasn't going to work, you being a skater. No. You weren't going to get the attention you needed. No. You weren't going to get the fulfillment that you no, needed. No, because they just were so good. And I was good, but I wasn't so good. And that probably <laughs> hurt. Like, why can't I be that good? Yeah. I mean, it was um, 
it was tough. But at the same time, too, I was kind of an outsider looking in and seeing all I mean, we were all under a lot of pressure, but they were under even more pressure, having to deal with a lot of pressure at a young age, you know, being on that track of, you know, the the goal was to go to the Olympics for them. And everything was about that. And there was a lot of pressure for my, especially my sister, watching as an outsider, seeing what she was going through. I was kind of, I was kind of happy that I was kind of like the forgotten child in the family, it was okay. Like I was like, oh, I have a little more freedom. I have a little more. Go out with your friends. Yeah, I can, you know, and especially once I retired from the sport, then I basically was just able to do, you know, whatever I wanted and found success in that, like, you know, through acting and performing in that aspect and not being compared. Inside of You is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp as menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's neutrafall.com promo code inside inside of you is brought to you by neurohacker qualia synaletic i just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences hmm. in herself and, she, and because i noticed my mother was always had brain fog and and she couldn't think clearly and and you know and and i i was like well this stuff works for me and what's great is I didn't even, they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this. Um, have you heard of Synaletics yet? 
Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I read something where your teacher, you still have this? <laughs> I do. Where they wrote <laughs> that you will never be an actress yes. and that your voice is awful. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty rude. It was so. It was one of those pre-college summer programs. At, at, it was at Carnegie Mellon University. Repertory theater. Yeah, and it was like where you go to experience what like a theater program is going to be like if you were to then apply to college to, you know, go to theater or, and study theater, and or study acting. And um, so it was this intense like summer program. And I had this one teacher, I, and I knew she didn't like me. What was her name? I don't remember her name. Mrs. Crabtree? I remember what she looked like. She was she was probably in her like early 30s, brunette, and she just did not like me from day one. Now, granted, I had a bit of a Pittsburgh accent. and you Mrs. Know, Laureline. <laughs> wasn't her? No, and I had this like breathy voice, and she just, every time I talked, just would like rip me to shreds. And on the, um, the evaluation at the end, so... By going to the college program, the pre-college program, they would accept two to three students from that program, give them early admissions to Carnegie Mellon to study acting. And this all coincided where there was a movie being filmed in the city of Pittsburgh at that time, and they were looking for some young actors. And the program recommended, do you remember, you know, Gabriel Macht no. uh, from Suits? He's on Suits. Um, he was in the program and so they recommended him to audition and they recommended some of the other actors and they didn't recommend me, but I didn't know about that. All I knew is my modeling agency called and was like, we have this audition for you. And so I went to the audition and I got the role. It was only five lines opposite Harvey Keitel. And 
and it turned into this bigger deal that like I got it when I wasn't recommended by Carnegie Mellon. And so that was going on while while the summer program was going on. So I think that, you know, it was like a jealousy or like, well, just because you got cast in this movie, don't think you're going to be. Did that hurt that you said that that kind of drove you to prove that teacher wrong that, you know, they didn't accept me. They said, I don't have a good voice. I won't be an actress. Fuck you. Was it all about proving yourself or was it, did you really like it? I just think I knew that I was going to be an actor. What makes you think, you know, I think I'm going to be an actor. I know, There's got to be more to it than (laughs) I think I'm going to be an actor because it's fucking brutal. (laughs) Um, Just, I I grew up performing. What I loved about ice skating was the performance aspect. And instant gratification where people, sort not instant, like, uh, uh, what's the word? You know, they clap. They clap. Approval, approval. (laughs) Approval. You like that. Right. We all like that. Yes, everyone likes that. And it's nothing worse than when you fall on the ice and no one claps. But (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) she doesn't go into acting. <laughs> but um, but the, I love the performance aspect of the sport. I didn't necessarily like the sport itself, like the technical elements and the, the jumps and all that stuff that you had to do. But the actual, like, the skating in between the jumps, right. you know, I really liked that performance aspect, picking music every year. And I would come up with a character in my head of who, who I was, you know, why I picked this music and what I wanted to portray and so it was I was kind of like acting on the ice um so when I got the rejection that rejection from the teacher first of all I dealt with enough rejection in the ice skating world (laughs) that um it was just kind of like okay that's your opinion but I'm gonna still do this like I looking back on it now because I was 16 at the time I mean for any adult to tell a 16 year old like not to pursue your dream or you're not good enough to do this. Yeah. It's so it's not helpful at all. Not helpful. It's it's, it's, it's could be de- very damaging. Debilitating. Yeah. It's the same feeling as you know getting called dumb or just not getting any kind of not, yeah, no attention, yeah. like not even being commended yeah. for doing something right. So you can't really differentiate what's good and what's bad. It's like, well, I'm dumb, and when I do something good, I don't even know if it's good because no one says anything, and no one's right. proud of me, and no one's. So you're going through this world, knowing I don't even know my self worth. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about myself, <laughs> and you're kind of going. Were you called dumb? <laughs> oh yeah, oh oh yeah. I still get called dumb sometimes, you know. And I joke about. It. I, I'm able to. I did this thing called EMDR, rapid eye movement. It's it's actually proven. If you look up, look it up. If you have any kind of um trauma in your life, whether it's childhood or uh, PTSD, it's really about mm-hmm. PTSD. And it doesn't mean, I always thought you have to be a veteran, right. someone who went to war and saw those that are real men and those, how could they, that's trauma. And what I have was insignificant. And why should I even, but then when you start to realize that your problems are your fucking problems, I don't care what they are. If you experience them, whether it was traumatic as a rape or in your mind as small as something like, uh, oh yeah, I got called dumb. Mm-hmm. It seems like I shouldn't complain because that's way worse. I would doubt myself for everything. Mm -hmm. And then I start talking to this psychologist and we just start talking. And uh, she says something about growing up and I just told her a story. And I'm not going to say the story, but I remember just saying I just froze and I was being yelled at and told I was not, you know, I was stupid and how could I not? understand this Mm -hmm. and somehow she saw that in my eyes and I wasn't being dramatic I was just telling a story 
but she saw something in my eyes and she stopped me and said, I think you're ready to do this. Do you want to do this EMDR? And I go, what? No, I don't think so. We shouldn't do it. I'll fail. I'm thinking about failing in psych, like in, in therapy. <laughs> That's fail. how bad I am. <laughs> you know, we go to this EMDR. She comes up to me and she goes, I am going to, you're going to close your eyes and you're going to stay in that moment. I want you to stay in that moment that you just told me about. And I go, I just don't think too much. Just do it. And it, when you open your eyes, when you're ready, I want you to follow my finger in front of you, not your head, just your eyes. And you just keep doing it. And you just think intensely of that moment and stay on that moment. And I'm like, I'm going to fail this. All I could think of was I'm going to fail. This is, oh. I'm not going to do well. I, I, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to let her down. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I just stayed there and I stayed there and I opened my eyes and it was the ugliest cry in history. Oh. It was like snot central it was like Schindler. it was like that's schindler's a beautiful cry. it was the end of schindler's list when he's like <laughs> i couldn't save 10 more people with this watch you know it was like oh my god i'm just bawling and i'm so in this moment and i had no idea what i get goosebumps now what effect things in the past right, have. this moment had a profound it was this disturbing moment in my life that sort of um, dominoed the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. That moment of not of feeling incompetent, of feeling dumb, of feeling not good enough, it translates in everything you do. Wow. In everything you do. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, I, I didn't even know what we were doing. Uh, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Okay, what are you thinking now? And I'm not kidding you. I said to her, I, go, I, 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 I don't <laughs> think it's working anymore. I don't, I, I don't, I can't. She goes, no, talk to me. I'm thinking of that moment and I can't, I can't cry. I can't, I can't. It's like, I know it's there. I could hear the voice. I could hear, but it's, I don't know. It's like not affecting me. And she smiled at me and she goes, okay, we're done. And I go, what? She goes, that was one of the best experiences I've had with this. If not the best. Wow. And I go, what? She goes, that's exactly what I wanted you to say. I was in the moment. I was just trying to be real and not thinking about what she wants. Not what she, mm -hmm. And I guess in a way it's sort of like acting. It's just like, stop worrying about what the cameraman right. thinks and everybody's thinking. And if you could just zone in and be real, that's all. And that moment of clarity, that moment of being real, like I said, is a domino effect of all those other traumatic things, little things. It's like a right. big, she, she explained it as like a big tree falling in the woods in the forest and it knocks down little trees so maybe that moment knocked down another one when you were in art class and mm -hmm. you didn't realize you're colorblind and <laughs> you're getting called dumb and how are you getting an F in, in art class? And so, so all these things, I don't even know why we started talking about it. I don't know, this. it's so fascinating. But, but, but it, it works. So I, I think like, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I don't know how we went pretty far deep into that one, <laughs> but did that moment, was that moment of her telling you these things or was there moments like that where that were traumatic where you look back and you're like, this is what pushed me to be great, to work so hard. Cause I look at your career and I think this is where I was going. And I go, this woman keeps fucking plugging away. She does Dexter, <laughs> which was the biggest, one of the biggest parts in your life, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Huge show, great performance, sexy, smart, everything yes. dark, everything an actress would want. Yes. Dream and, and then you're on Buffy and you're on this. Well, Buffy was before. Before, well, Yeah, Buffy was before. But you got demoted on a roll. Yeah. You were supposed to be this. And they demoted you. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Self-esteem all over the place, yeah. up and down. And so I'm trying to think of like, 
you keep plugging away and is that voice still in your head? Is there, are there those kind of voices where it's like, I got to keep proving myself or do you really know you're good? Do you know? It's not, I just really love it. You do. I, I learned a long time. Well, I I probably like a long time ago, probably like 10 years ago, I just had to accept what it meant to be an actor in order to love the good of, of our jobs when it's good and all the goodness that goes with it. You also have to accept the bad parts that go with it. You can accept the bad parts. You have to. You can't, you can't just have the good without the bad. What's the worst thing that happened to you as an actress? The worst thing? I mean... Well, In terms getting, of rejection or whatever. I mean, I mean, getting killed off Dexter was pretty bad. I had, you no, had no idea. idea? I had no idea that was coming. When did they tell you? Um, three days before. <laughs> Who called you? Um... They called me in on my day off to do some ADR, and then they called me to the producer's room. And I knew walking from the ADR stage to the producer's room, when you get called to the producers, you're being killed off a show. I mean, it's just, you just you have, know Were you getting an anxiety attack? Yeah, I suffer from panic attacks, and I started having a panic attack, and I called my manager at the time, and I said, Oh my God, I think they're killing me off. And he, this is what he said. He's like, all right, kid. Okay. Because he, he knows I suffer from panic attacks. And he's like, just get in and out as fast as you can. Just say thank you and get out. And I was like, okay. And then I called my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I said, and he's not in the business. And I said, oh my God, I'm walking to the producer's office. I think I'm being killed off the show. And he's like, maybe they're giving you a raise, which like really broke my heart. Cause I was like, no, they don't call the, it. No. You don't get a raise that way. <laughs> hey, Julie, great four seasons. You're making what Dexter makes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, it doesn't happen that way. You got to fight for the raise. And then he said the same thing. And he said, just get in and out as fast as you can and get home and I'll meet you at home. So I tried to get in as fast as I could. Like I walked in the room and I said, you know, I know what this is about. How many people were in the room? It was um, three. The three executive producers. All men? No, one woman. Okay. Yeah. Thank God there was a woman. Yeah. There. And I said, thank you so much for a great four years. I've appreciated every you moment. You said that? I did. Before I did. they said a word. Uh, before they said a word. I said, I'm smart enough to know what's going on. So thank you for a great four years. Let's talk tomorrow. And because I'm feeling the panic attack. And what did they on. say? They wanted to have, you know, to have a conversation. And so then I had to sit down and. Um, <laughs> and you know it's true but wait, now. But wait, let me really set the stage because to make matters worse, I worked out at a gym right by the studio. And so I was, I'd worked out that morning and it was really hot, like hot, like today hot. So I was only in a sports bra and a pair of like leggings. And I went to do ADR. So they rehired you. I went to do ADR <laughs> that way. So all I could think about was, what was that movie where the guy gets broken up with while he's naked? Is it Forgetting? Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's all I could think about was like, I don't have a shirt on and I'm losing my job. And I'm like sitting there like trying oh, to- Oh, so like, vulnerable. Like I felt so vulnerable. But they wanted to discuss it. They wanted to tell me the reasons why. And 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 I, you know, they needed to do that for their own, um, their own clarity, I guess. Um their own therapy because everybody was upset about it, but um, did you cry in the room? I did, which I didn't want to. Um, did they hug you? They did, but I was sweaty and smelled. <laughs> didn't have clothes on, basically. So. Were you bawling? I was. I was really upset. You loved the show. I loved it. Also, it was such a great family. And then here you are being told, like, okay, well, we're still gonna like get together as a family, but like, 
there on your own. <laughs> so it was really hard. How long did traumatic. it take you to recover from that? It took a while. It took a while. I um, I remember. Did you go to therapy for that? I did. I did. Did they pay for it? No. They should have. They should have. I remember I met um, Elizabeth Mitchell right after um, I was doing. I got. A, I was doing some little indie film, and I was working with her. And the episode hadn't aired yet, so nobody really knew. And I was talking to her on set one day, and I, I told her about it. And, you know, she had been killed off of Lost, and it was a very similar situation where, like, they didn't tell, they don't, you know, didn't tell the actor until the last minute. They didn't tell her to the last minute or whatever. And I was like, you know, they want me to do press for the show and do interviews after it airs. Like, how do I handle that? And she's like, just be honest, which is what I did. I was like, Yeah. I got killed off the show. It sucked for me. Like, I was upset, you know? Jeez. And that's just the only way I know how to deal with that. So it was hard. And my therapist was really great because, you know, when I went to see him and I was crying and I was like, everybody knows. I, I felt like I got fired. That's what it feels like. You get fired. Yeah. And he, he said to me, he's like, listen, when I'm watching a really great show and, and a, a character gets killed off, I'm not thinking, oh, my God, that actor just got fired. I'm thinking, well, this is great storytelling. And Well, look at, look at uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Ned I, Stark. Sorry if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. You <laughs> fucking idiots. <laughs> but, but you're watching it and you're like, he's the lead. Yeah. What are you doing? And then it's like everybody. And that just started like, Hey, no job is safe now. No job. And walking dead's the same way. You thought Hollywood was tough then <laughs> after game of Thrones. Fuck. How many seasons are you doing? I don't know. I, yeah. And I, 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 um, I've, I know some of the walking dead cast and they told me it's the same way there. Like they, you just don't know when your time's up. <laughs> you, you also don't know what season's which because they kind of run they together. All run together. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed the show for about four seasons, and I realized, are they ending up at the same hospital at the end? Or is it the prison? What's going on? I'll be honest. I'm not well, a What do you do with zombies? I'm, I love zombies. I don't like oh, zombies. They're jerks. I'm I, not a, I love them. I'm not a zombie person. I'm a vampire person. I, You know, I, if it's good, I don't care. Like, I just... You know, there's certain zombie movies that just hold up, like the the Dawn of the Dead. I like the old one, and well, I like the well, James Gunn one. And uh, you know, the, the Return of the Living Dead is hilarious and fun and dark, and I just love that. I, I'm a big horror movie nut, right? So all of those, like Night of the Living Dead, all the original ones, they were all shot in Pittsburgh where I grew up. Mm. So, oh, by I'm, the way, your dad was a doctor. He was. Is he still a doctor? No, no. He retired. He, he retired. What kind of doctor? He was a general and vascular surgeon. A what? A general and vascular surgeon. In, in vascular? And vascular. And vascular. And, so like yeah. your heart. Veins. Veins, vascular, veins. Vascular. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you were rich. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you're a vascular surgeon, you're rich. Especially in the 80s, yeah. So in the 80s. I mean, he's a, you live in a big house. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I remember in the fifth grade, we moved into the uh, a new house. We moved from one side of town to the other side. And so it was a different school district. And I remember I was in the fifth grade and some of the girls came up to me and they're like, you paid 300 for your house. And I was like, $300. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went home to my parents and they were like, I'm like, everyone in school is talking about how we paid 300 for our house. Now it's the most expensive house in the neighborhood. I'm like, $300 doesn't seem like that much money. <laughs> Your mom's like, um, um 300,000. 300, <laughs> you know, what's funny is I remember as a kid and until I was about eight, we were living like in duplexes and things in Connecticut and New York. My dad was a hippie. He was like, you know, he had one pair of jeans. He had like a Pinto. He busted his ass. We moved to Indiana and we moved in this big house in the corner. And everybody thought 
like we, oh my God, that's the biggest house on the block in Indiana. <laughs> and I, and I was like, yeah. And then I found out that my dad had got a really good deal on the house because there was what's called mine subsidence. <laughs> so the houses were kind of like shifting and it was under these mines or these stripper, whatever the stripper um, pits were. And so, yeah, the houses were kind of nice, but they were kind of shifting. And, you know, so you got <laughs> you got a deal. I live by these rednecks who I love are some of my best friends in the world. The Shepherds, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie, Bobby, Nate, Candy, Heidi, Crystal, Bob and Terry. We called Bob Al because he was an alcoholic. Nate, you had no teeth. Nate, you drink all my light beers? I only had a few. You better stay away from those. <laughs> you know, yeah, we weren't rich, but like, I, you know, I, I think if you have a bigger house or if you, was it tough but being well, like having money? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was it, how hard is it to, to be a kid who's, uh, who's raised, got, who gets everything that they want? Well, we, we didn't get everything know, that we wanted. We, we weren't very humble. We weren't spoiled completely. I mean, you can't have three kids in ice skating and not have money. Like ice skating is an yeah. extremely expensive sport sure. um, because all the training, the coaching, the lesson time, the ice rink time, the costumes, the competitions, the traveling, like, it's so a it's a lot. So they were spending a lot, a large portion of money on did that Did they sport. demand good grades from you? This they, vascular surgeon? They did, but I naturally got good grades. You did? I did. I didn't. I barely studied. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you right now. I had thought about this for a while and I thought about teachers that really made an influence on my life. Mm -hmm. And there weren't many, but there were enough, enough that saw through the annoying ADD kid who just couldn't focus. There were a few that just, all you need is like really one who believes in you. But back then teaching was so different. Like they took a kid like you and labeled you bad versus oh, like yeah. really recognizing whether you, you were dyslexic or ADD or whatever. They they weren't really aware of that back then. No. And it just was yeah, – and then paddling. We had corporal punishment. Oh, wow. So I got paddled. Oh, yeah. I got the ass whacked out of me. Was it a – was it like a, a – <laughs> A hard wooden paddle. No. Was it a Catholic school or public – was it a public uh, school? It was a thing? public school. Wow. Yeah. I got paddled and – um. But I, I just wrote a Facebook to Mrs. Muller, Mrs. Rao, Mrs. Meyer, Mr. Morrow. Um, There's some other, uh, Mrs. Skinner. And uh, yes, and I wrote this thing and I put pictures of them. And I just said, these are the teachers uh, that just, you know, when I think of like what got me through things, wow. it was Mrs. Muller teaching me Romeo and Juliet, but like in a fun way that even a kid who was such a ten tension problems and all these things she had a, a way of just making me understand and making me like Romeo and Juliet. I got to be in English wow. and literature in that one semester. And then the rest were Caesar D's or whatever. Right. I won't go there. Mrs. Rao made history. Okay. I remember. And she had patience. I remember there was this Barney rubble at the bottom of a, uh, fruity fruit loops uh -huh. box. <laughs> and I remember Kent Brenneman whizzing it by my head and it went through three giant world maps this little Barney Rubble just went, <laughs> just ruined her world maps. She goes, Michael Kent out in the hall. And we went out in the hall, but she had a sense of humor about it. And she didn't like punish us and get so mean. She was like, what do I have to do with you two? <laughs> like she got a kick out of us, right. even though we were bastards. And like the, the, the substitute teacher came in. Did you have teachers like that who just like, or were you were you picked on because you had money? Were you or were you kind of popular? Well, 
I was barely in school. I mean, I, we only went to school four hours a day because we trained for four hours in the morning before school, and then we went to school a half day, and then we left school and went to train another four hours. Oh, my God. So we were popular in that everybody knew us because we were the family of ice skaters, and everybody knew my brother and sister because they you were have a the nickname? champions. No, I tried to get Jules to stick, and no one would stick it. Well, no, I meant nickname <laughs> oh. like the three of you, the three oh. – no. The three Boitanos? No, we were just the Benz kids. The Benz kids. <laughs> the Benz oh, kids. look, it's the Benz kids. Yeah, and so I even remember um, I remember junior year at, at the end of the year, Jeff Hagen turned to me and he's like, were you even in school this year? And I was like, I know. <laughs> did you did so. you, uh, did you you date guys in high school? I did. I did. I did. Were you, uh, were they handsome? Do you remember the really good looking guy that you dated? I dated a lot of guys. Um, you did. I did. Were you divergenized at a young age? <laughs> Is that personal? I think I lost my virginity at probably almost eighteen. I was. I was. It was the end of sophomore year of high school. Oh, so you were fifteen. Was that fifteen? How old was he? How old uh, was Jeff Hagen? It wasn't Jeff. It wasn't Jeff. No, no, it was uh, uh, Roger Kaysen. <laughs> Roger Kaysen. Yes, was he it was on the older. Football field? No, no. Where was it? It, it was at his parents' house. <laughs> really? Were they there? No, <laughs> they were gone. Oh my god! Were you nervous? Um, no, because I wanted to lose my virginity to him because he was, he was the guy that everybody wanted. Was to he date. gentle? He was very sweet, yes. He was? Yeah. And he was a little older? Yeah. Did you think, I'm going to marry this guy? I did. We're going to be high school sweethearts. How I long did you date? Um, we Eight months, but it was very tumultuous, and then we broke up, and then- Heartbroken? Very heartbroken, and did then- he cheat? No, he, he just had some issues. And he's young. I'm young, and- and then I started dating other, like one of his friends. Jeff and then, Hagen. No, I no. never dated Jeff Hagen. I just like the name. I, just I know it's a great Jeff name. Hagen. He was Jeff like Hagen. he was such a nice guy too. Right. Uh, never dated him though. Um, I always, I never dated anybody in my grade. I always yeah. dated like either older, and then when I was a senior, then it was younger. Guys are the old, guys are the ones that go younger. Girls go older. But I went younger senior year. You did. I did. Who'd you date? Jason Dice. Jason Dice was a sophomore? No, he was a junior. I didn't was go that Was young. he an athlete? He was. He was a football player. Football. Quarterback? I, uh, I think so. I should know that. Um, I was the team mascot at the time. What? <laughs> I know. How could you be popular being a team mascot? Well, Not that it's bad. I'm just no, saying. No, they would. They would um, the, for some reason, there was like they would always get like three popular girls to be the mascots and we'd run around in little furry suits and cheer and it was i wanted it so bad because it was such a status symbol but then as soon as i got it i was like oh my god this is awful like i don't want to do this how long did you wait before you had sex with jeff Hag or dyson <laughs> pretty pretty quick you did it pretty quick yeah well that's all right you were you know you're young i was young yeah i also i think after roger i realized that nobody i met in high school was going to be my forever so i kind of dated like a guy if that makes any sense so you dated it like i a, dated like a, like a guy like a guy whereas like we would date yeah and, why, why can't you know why then, can't women do that because why i can't... i basically knew like i was gonna go off to new york city and study acting and then i was gonna go to la and who knew who i was gonna meet and like nobody nobody from my childhood was going to like take that journey with me so i just i didn't want any strings attached did anyone ever look you up and like jeff hagan for instance <laughs> did they ever they try to reach you on facebook and go hey it's me how are you Love to catch up. You're hot. You're successful. Um, nobody? 
No, I mean, people, I mean, I'm Facebook friends with all my old high school friends. I'm, I'm Facebook with a lot of friends from high yeah, school, for sure. Yeah, but no. I did look up Roger Kaysen, though. When, after my divorce, I looked does it up. Does he still look good? He does. He Were does. you thinking about it? I was. I was like, well, maybe, maybe you, I was wrong. Did maybe. you message him? I did. And? And we met up. Uh, he came out to L.A. Uh, what? Well, not to visit me. No, he had some family stuff he had to do, and we met for a drink. And then I realized, no, once again, wrong again. <laughs> it was just not, not that it was. Did he like you though? I think he was open to the idea, but I was kind of like he wanted to sleep with you. I think so, but I was kind of like, what am I doing? <laughs> did you sleep with him? No, I didn't. And the warning sign was he said he just didn't like Los Angeles and he could never see himself living in L.A. And mm-hmm. I could never see myself living anywhere else. So. I, had, I had that with a girl once. I was This girl I was dating in Montreal. I say girl all the time. I'm not a woman, but I right. a girl. I like to just say girl. Yeah, it's okay. Girl, boy. Okay. Um, but uh, she, lives in, she lived in Montreal and I was dating her and she was like, I go, would you ever move to L.A.? She goes, no, no, never. I never would. And she was kind of a teacher and she was a great girl. Awesome, yeah. awesome. And she goes, would you move to Montreal? And I go, no. Right. No. But then, Did you sleep with her? Of oh, course, I dated <laughs> yeah. her. Oh, yeah. I dated yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome girl. To this day, I mean, I haven't talked to her in a while, but I wish her the best. But it always kind of shocked my friends. One day, my friend goes, hey, man, is what's her name on, on The Bachelor? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not going to say her name. But is what's her name on The Bachelor? I go, What's her name? What's her name? Who? What's her name? What's her name? Like, what? No. What's her name? What's her name? Would never do The Bachelor. Jeff Hagen would never do. No, would never. I go, are you kidding me? No, no. She's in Montreal. She would never. And it went on and on. And finally, I go, dude, I I go, I would bet my house. That's not her. She would never do that. It was. Did she make it far? Well, look, she won The Bachelor. She won The Bachelor a couple of years ago, and she's a great girl. And I had I was dating this girl, and I was at the premiere for Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I was in. And I was having a great night. And then this girl comes over and goes, hey, she would like to come, she'd like you to come say hi to her and her bachelor. And I'm like, no. And then later on, we had a couple of emails that were nice. Like later on, I was like, hey, it was good to but whatever. And she's like, well, you know, you're the one who didn't want to come over and say, I didn't want to come over and say hello. I was with a girl that was odd. Why would I want to do that? And by the and way, also, why wouldn't you just come over and say hi? Why send somebody? And by the way, she's again. This is I don't know. Did how, they stay together? I don't know how else. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, but I. You know. The thing was is, she blonde? What sucks? Was she blonde? No. Okay. What sucks is this. <laughs> I liked her, and yeah. if she would have moved to L.A. or at least been open to the but the fact that idea it was, yeah that. it was just it was just kind of it, it kind of my friends and I were taken aback when all of a sudden you know that wasn't even a, 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 you know, that wasn't yeah. a, she's not moving here I'm not moving there done yeah, yeah and then all of a sudden she's on the bachelor yeah it was just kind of shocking to yeah. me so um yeah so that so uh, Kaysen, yeah Casey yeah. Kaysen? <laughs> Roger <laughs> Roger Kaysen, it didn't work out but your friend yeah. still uh he he's not very active on Facebook so maybe he broke his heart maybe he's a recluse I don't now know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he's doing just fine. Good looking guy. Came from a good family. Good family. Yeah, so. He's probably listening going, that bitch. I know, right? I didn't want her. <laughs> she drank too much. <laughs> Are you a drinker? Um, I like having some wine, but I do keep drinking in check. 
I mean, I yeah. come from a, a long line of alcoholics. You do? I do. I Your do, dad? I do. Uh, everybody. I'm glad he's not a vascular surgeon yeah. anymore. <laughs> not when he was doing surgery, but since he retired, yes. And my mom, and then my... I mean, when you're saying alcoholics, that's a very, that's a heavy word. Like, when I think of, like, certain people, I'm like, oh, they're not an alcoholic. They're, they like some drinks here and there. But they were alcoholics, is what you're saying. I define alcoholics by if if your personality changes when you drink. Oh yeah, let me tell you that's because people big... can drink a lot and they're fine. And that's they're... the biggest issue but for me. But to me, it's when the personality changes. If you here's what I said to my um, I'm not going to mention their name. I said this <laughs> to a friend or whatever. I just said, hey, look, I love you. You're the most amazing person in the world. Sober. When you get drunk, I just. I don't know you and you get a little volatile and it's unpredictable and right. I just don't like this person. I've said it to family members. Right. When I drink, I'm aware. I'm hypersensitive. And sometimes I'm like, God, I wish I wasn't so aware of myself because I, I don't like go nuts or anything. Right. But I'm controlled. Like I don't want my personality to change. I don't want to become right. unpredictable. And when it gets angry or volatile or they make big – because first of all, I don't care who you are, alcohol, when you start drinking and start doing drugs, you make mistakes, man. Right. I don't care if you're an alcoholic or not. I've made many mistakes because I was just drinking and I felt good. So I was like, oh, I'll do that. Right. Not a good decision. So I'm not a big drinker. But um, it, you're right. I think if your personality changes – and if the person with you doesn't like that personality, that's a problem. Right. Now, when I was when I was going to NYU, when I was in college, I definitely had an alcohol problem. And one of the reasons why I left New York to come to L.A. was I knew that in L.A. I wouldn't drink as much because you have to drive. And I don't drink and drive. So New York was was a scary because you can just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink all night long and hop in a cab and hop in a cab and there were i had a couple bad experiences where like i'd you know wake up in the doorway or like pass out in a cab and like so nothing ever really bad happened but those they scared me enough and by the way i was like 20 years old 20 21 that's what you're supposed to learn when you're yeah. Although I was drinking Thank illegally. God. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, at 21, when you start drinking, you're supposed so to So you realized so, by yourself that I realized, this is dangerous. I realized it was dangerous and it wasn't serving me. And so when I moved to LA, um, I just didn't drink. And like, I would never have a drink if I went out and I was driving. Like, I became the designated driver amongst all my friends because I also felt like I was the only one I could trust to know that I wouldn't sneak a drink. You know, sometimes you go out with people and they're like, yeah. I'll drive. And then you look over and they're like down in tequila shots. And you're like, oh, they said Dude. they were going to drive. And I'm now I'm a better I, driver you know. when I'm drunk. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no. I, I really am. I'm like, Dude, I'm not having this conversation. Dude, I can handle my drink. How many yeah. years have you had? I've had 10. I don't even yeah. have a buzz. But it, it doesn't matter. You get pulled over or anything, your reflexes slow down. So I'm very aware of that. So, how about you're going to kill someone? Yeah, you're going to kill someone. How about A, you can yeah. kill someone, you're going to prison for your life. How about B, you are going to go to jail and you're going to spend $20,000 for, for a ticket? Yeah. How about C, take a fucking cab? Or t it's, it's, I know, I know. Yeah. So it was good for me to get out of New York and come to LA. So now, like, I, I like having a glass of wine. I never have more than two, I always stop at two. I never drink and drive. Um, it's just, you know, and I, and I never lose control because yeah. I don't, because I come, I, I, I do feel like alcoholism can be genetic. I don't want to know if my personality changes. <laughs> so I, I just, I tell you, if you're I'm, my friend, I would tell you. Yeah. I rein it in and I, you know, but I do like my Pinot Noir. Um, 
But I also, I don't like all the calories associated with it either. Did you ever get in a Coke? I never did drugs. You know, I I couldn't, I never could be a Coke addict because I was just so congested the next day. I was just like, you know, I talked about that. I was like, I just can't do this. I I, I mean, I felt great for a minute. My heart almost (laughs) popped out of my chest, but I just can't breathe. Yeah, (laughs) I never, I never got into marijuana, anything. Like I just was never, I mean, I think I smoked a little pot in college and it tore up my, um, it really tore up my throat. Um, and I <laughs> and I didn't like I don't the know, way my throat hurts. I don't know, know. Like it really, somebody's out there going prove. I know, and so hurts. I just didn't like it. You might be allergic because I'm allergic to weed. But if I smoke too much, like my um uvula swells up. Is that what it is? is? That what it's it, it might the be. Uvula? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah, my yeah. mom is allergic to nightshades, so it's probably nightshades. That. Yeah, it's like a type of plant, like some oh, kind of oh, some okay. kind of herb she can't have. And I'm like, I am allergic to weed. I love how Mia just the first thing she says is about weed. Yeah. Oh, I'll chime in there. I'm going to chime in about my mom and nightshades, and I can't smoke weed, but I still do. I love it. Thank you for that. I liked it. I it was just, a good I, I, just, I mean, weed to me tastes like 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 um, fertilizer. <laughs> like it just tastes like fertilizer. Like I'm like, why would you put? The, I, I just, CBD stuff really helps me though. I love. No, I do some CBD balms for yeah. like um, pain, and I. I've been sent some CBD stuff to try because I do suffer from insomnia um, and I'm just too afraid to try it because <laughs> I don't really try. I don't really take anything. Well, I'm so. very like I I'm very careful with that stuff. And mm-hmm. you know what really helps me? I'm going gonna, gonna to save you guys sleep therapy and all this other shit. It's so simple. You have to do it for like a month. Magnesium. I've Every night. I've done that. Because your body needs magnesium. I and know. a lot of people are low. I'm t- I take magnesium and I'm out. I really do you have to stick with it for a while? So I was doing that for a while. Didn't notice a difference. My problem is I fall asleep really easy, and I tend you to get up. I fall asleep really early too, like eight thirty, nine o'clock. I'm out. But like last night, I woke up at one in the morning and was like staring at the ceiling. So then, were I you have, nervous about being on this podcast? I was excited. A little were you? I'm such a fan. <laughs> now, th- well, thank you. By the way, now listen. This is this is crazy because you know some people I have interviewed, like some my peers. Like yourself, like Rain Wilson and uh, uh, Sean Gunn, and they're just like, dude, I love your podcast, yeah. and it makes me feel so good. And not only that, but you will, you'll, I do. I'm, I'm like a stalker. I'm like a stalker fan. I listen, I, li- I listen to this episode. I really loved it. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god. And my friends, shout out to Lisa Lorlein. Shout out to Alex Fatovich, Vatovich, my favorite bitch. That's what I call her. And, you know, she's, I mean, they just, it's so supportive. And I, and I, and I love it because I really do love doing this. And it's, you're really good at it. Well, thank you. I, I, I didn't expect to be what it is. I just like talking to people. So I don't think yeah. of it as being good at it. I just like, I really like talking to people. And this forces me when I put these headphones on to like going, I'm, I'm just with you right now. Right. I can just hear you. I'm not distracted. My ADD is not really kicking in. So, by the way, I want to know what your favorite episodes were that you've listened to. Um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh yeah, I she mean, really I, opens up. I was bawling, bawling. Yeah. It was beautiful. She's and, a beautiful and, woman. And for her to just speak so honestly about losing her mother and what she went through, I remember I was doing some housework and like just was sitting there crying, just sobbing. Yeah. Um. And then Chris Sullivan was fantastic. I um, he said a lot of things that I had to go and grab my journal and write stuff down and like really? rewind oh, and like replay that. it and like write it down and and because I was going through a little bit of a rough time and it really helped me a lot. I took a lot of things away from that. And by the way, and utilized it. That's 
unbelievable. And um, Chris Sullivan and I, as you know, I like the new podcast, which the new I love podcast, too. Guys, by the way, a segue. Just uh, if you, if you can, please subscribe and support that. It's called In Love with Michael Rosen. I'm Chris Sullivan. Just give it a shot. Press subscribe. Listen to it. Whoever you are out there, listen to me. You know I love you and thank you. And and Julie, I, I, I you know, this is a long time coming. Aww. And you're much interesting than I thought you'd be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you never know. You talk to people, but I don't really know that much about yeah. you other than she's cool. She's smart. She's pretty. I see her around. She's a good actress. But then it's like, okay, how are they going to be as a guest? You just never know. I've had guests where I thought they're going to be amazing. And so this was very engaging. Like, I feel like I could honestly talk to you forever. You're very open. Oh, I, I mean, Jeff Hagen. Jeff Hagen. I mean, you want to you talk about your divergent, <laughs> being divergentized. So embarrassing. I, I just, I'm getting sweaty. You are. <laughs> are you I still friends that. with, uh, with, um, uh, your ex-husband? Uh, I mean, we're not enemies, but like, there's no reason to really hang out. Yeah, your, I mean, your husband doesn't want to see your ex-husband. It's not that. It's I, I mean, I I'm not the girl who I feel like. Okay, we dated, we got married, we tried to make it work, it didn't work, we got divorced, move on, you know. Right. But like, if I see him, because I saw him at a convention, he's happily married who now. Who is he? Uh, John Kassir. The Do voice, I know him? The voice of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. What? Yeah. Hello, girls and ghouls, boys and ghouls. <laughs> that guy, the yeah, original? The original. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Could he sign something for me? Well, you could probably ask him. <laughs> it's your ex. On your own. Hey. But not, not oh, my God. Me. Julie's calling. <laughs> Julie, I haven't talked to you since. Yeah, listen. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum's a big fan of the Crypt Keeper. All right. So that's good. You're, you're a healthy person. You're, what What works with you and your husband? What is it that keeps you like happy and, and centered and safe what what is it about him that you just go this is i like this i mean we we respect each other a lot I, we're very independent because he has like his career i have mine and you know um we don't take each other for granted and we make sure we spend time together <laughs> i think spending time together is important Do you have a rule when you're working like you have to see each other every yeah we try not to go longer than two to three weeks Right. Without seeing each other. Um, and I don't think we've ever broken that rule. But um, uh, we just make it work. Where you know, if, When I was filming in Toronto in Defiance, and he was there for season one because we had just gotten married and he was in between jobs. So he just came and stayed for all of season one. But then season two and season three, he was um, flying back and forth a lot. But he'd be like, I have, I have to go to New York for a meeting and I'd be like, well, I'm not working. So I'll just pop down to New York to see you. Like it just was That's like, nice. so we started doing more of that kind and of stuff. And how long have you been married? Seven years now. Seven years. Yeah. I got to meet him. He's fantastic. I'm He's excited. Amazing. He's a great guy. He's uh, the best representation of me, <laughs> of all my good parts. Isn't that something? Like I always say, yeah. look at my friends. If you don't like me, look at my friends. Cause they're great. Yeah. You know, my grandma, look at her. Yeah, whenever people meet my husband, they're like, wow, he's amazing. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool thing. So you're still doing the cons. I see it at conventions every once yeah, in a yeah. while. Um, you also, uh, you're on a new series. You're a regular. Uh, what, God, you're recurring. recurring. Uh, what is it? On Becoming a God in Central Florida. On Becoming a God in Central Florida. I saw the billboard on Sunset Boulevard or something. Yes. Now, uh, what's that about? It's centered around an Amway-esque type pyramid scheme in the early 1990s outside of Central Florida. <laughs> um, uh, and it stars Kirsten Dunst. Do you like her? 
I do. She fun to work with. You know, she was amazing because here she was. Um, she had uh, had a four month old baby, uh, producing this show, very involved in the producing side of it. Not just like you know, some actors are just a name only producing. No, she was right. very a very involved producer on the show, starring in it like literally in almost every scene. Tired. But handle it like a pro. I mean, she's a pro. I mean, she's been doing it since she was. You, did you talk to her at all? I did. Are you friends like now? Like, do you ever text her and say, "Hey, Kirsten"? No, Kristen? I don't. No, Kirsten. 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 That's say, a hard name. Hey, Durst. Dunst. <laughs> Dunst. What's up? It's Benz. Dunst. <laughs> no, because I'm just not that. So you don't do that. No, I don't really do that to a lot of people. I, I kind of was hoping that you'd say you do know her, so maybe you can get her on the show. I could ask. Yeah, why not? Next time I see her. I've always liked her. She's phenomenal. She's so cool, so down to earth, and extremely supportive of like other cast members too. You know what I mean? Like that's not always present. No. So me, 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 me. We could all do that, but that's nice when someone's like, uh, you know, so supportive. I remember I was talking to her about pilot season or something, and I was nervous, and she looked at me and she's like, "Well, you'll get something. You're good." And I was Aww, like, "Oh, that's nice." I was like, "Can you just call me every morning and tell me that and remind me of that?" You're like, "Oh my god, I loved um, uh, interview with the vampire." She's like, "Don't talk no. about that. I was eight. <laughs> um, this has been a real treat for me. Oh, but thank you. Your handles on uh, social social uh, Instagram Julie yeah. Benz MFT. <laughs> yeah, follower. She's you're, you're so dynamic. You're so great. You got this new show. Yeah, you're recurring on. What else? Anything else you want to say? No, just that this has been a dream of mine to come on this podcast. Really? Yes. Come on. Yes. Well, guys. I'm uh, such a fan. Hey, this has been a real treat. I'm really excited about this. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. And guys, in love with Michael Rosman and Chris Sullivan also, listen to that. And um, Is that it? Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. Thank you. Yeah. I've always wanted you to say that. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, by the way, before we go, I want to end on uh, the new album, Left on Laurel, my band. I don't know if you know Kent and Carl and, and me and Tom Lally and, and Danson, but, you know, we're just kind of a fun band. But we, we made an album, and I think you guys are going to really like it. So we're going to play this song. It's called Beautiful Mess. And if you like it, check it out on iTunes and all that stuff. And much love. Thanks, everybody. What a beautiful mess. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.